Today's guest is the amazing founder and CEO of Palestinian Hustle, Samir Fidi. That's how humble Palestinians are. He names the company Palestinian Hustle and won't even take credit. Palestinians, we're full spectrum people because we tackle everything in a full spectrum, whether it's music, art, you guys with like politics and comedy and music and depth and food. People are fighting for the same cause, but doing it differently. If I was a barista and somebody came in and were like, you know about Palestine? I'd be like, bro, I get off in 10 minutes. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, because you go on these mission trips to teach at a school in Jerusalem and you think you're going to the Holy Land and Israel this and you go, you're treated like shit by the Israelis and the Palestinians are feeding you every day. They go there being pro-Israel, they leave so pro-Palestinian. I measure success in this field by the number of people who message me and say, you changed my life. We are announcing a limited t-shirt drop, Palestinian Hustle and the Palestine Pod. The Palestine Pod has merch, y'all. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines from Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you were upset that over 100 actors signed a pledge asking people in the government of the occupation not to classify a children's organization as a terrorist. If you said, hey, Hulk, shut up and smash. <laughs> They're wilding out as usual. Imagine being upset that like someone is classified or something like it's a it's so mind-boggling. I almost yeah. had trouble saying the full sentence. Yeah, for sure. Defense for Children International, Paris. That's yeah. And then you're yeah. like, you're, how dare <laughs> people say that that's wrong? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Like they're all like sensitive too. That's they, a middle name. They're the most fragile occupiers I've ever heard of. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. not a spine or a vertebrae amongst them. No, no. Spineless. Gelatinous invertebrates. <laughs> yeah, I read that article the other day. Truly wild. Dude, gelatinous invertebrates is going to be the new like, synonym for Zionist. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Gelatinous invertebrates. Put it on the back of your t-shirt, bro. <laughs> yeah. Bro, we honestly, we're going to get a t-shirt like that. <laughs> it's, yeah. in, it's in the works. <laughs> Yeah, that'll be the next batch. Before we get into today's episode, like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us, palestinepod at gmail.com. And give us a follow on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. We're also going strong on Patreon, so if you love the Palestine Pod episodes and you want to support this project, join our Patreon where you get early access to the Palestine Pod every week, an additional one to two podcasts per week as well, including our latest creation, Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and give you an opportunity to get to know us a little bit better. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only, so really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine. Today's guest is the amazing founder and CEO of Palestinian Hustle, Samir Fidi. Samir, we're so excited to have you on here. You are like such totally. a big personality. Like your person, like, 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 
I don't, I, this episode is just going to run itself. Like, I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to talk. I'm like, please talk. Yeah, I was like, hey, uh, I don't know if you know how we do, but that's how podcasts work, my boy. <laughs> yeah, I, was say, I was like, if I talk too much, just give me a sign. Like, dude, shut up or open up your eyes or something. No, You're because. Yeah. This is my second Zoom video ever. What? That's yeah, so crazy to me. Set it up for me. I'm like, what do I do? So she had it all set up. I didn't even know how to do the mic. Yeah, I'm old. What have you man. been doing this whole confinement? Using fax machines, girl. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> My boy said, "I'm still sending out carrier pigeons. What are you up to? <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I have my falcon. He just goes around." But seriously, like, were you just on the phone the whole time? Just FaceTime. I was FaceTime. Like, okay. Yeah, for, for a long time, I'm like, Zoom? I was like, why would you Zoom if you have FaceTime? I don't get because, it. But yeah, afterwards. because we're recording. That's Yeah, you're recording and you can have multiple people. I yeah. Right. The only people recording on your FaceTimes are the NSA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. Mossad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm like, if, oh. yeah, I'm like, there's things moving in the tree back there. I th you know what I'm saying? Why is a grassy knoll in the desert? Okay. That's crazy. Do you ca call yourself founder and CEO of Palestinian Hustle? Uh, or just yeah, founder? What do you would, that's what I would say. Founder. <laughs> CEO is like too formal, right? Like, uh, I don't do that. Founder. Don't do that to yourself. Don't, bro. yeah, you deserve it for all the work you, you run in. it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, how, that's how humble Palestinians are. He names the company Palestinian Hustle and won't even take credit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> the CEO. He's like, yeah, just I, you know, I do run it, but it's like it's a team effort. Yeah, it's so funny because I used to always say, you know, Bella's the CEO because she was very involved when we first started. Then she became thirteen, and she's like, "This is cool," but eh, I'm, I'm like checked out. And then when she hit fourteen, she's completely checked out. I was like, "Dude, mm. give me, give me my rollback. I, I just, I just want one video from you a month." It's like, okay, I'll charge you a hundred dollars a video. I was like, what? <laughs> respect respect the price goes up so if, if, if i want any content from her she wow <laughs> and then she's like dad you can use it as a tax write-off right it's an invoice i'm like that's okay. a genius yeah baby girl learned about tax write-offs you I taught really her well <laughs> yeah, hey the jews love that the jews <laughs> love that you know that we love that we learned from you what are you talking about yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> so so awesome. She's learning a lot. That's the initial reason why I started the company is to not only teach her about Palestinian, what's happening outside of politics, right? The other day I was looking at CBD stuff, okay? Uh -huh. Full spectrum. And I'm like, it's like Palestinians, we're like full spectrum people because like we tackle everything in a full spectrum, whether it's music, art, me with love, you guys with like politics and comedy. And it's like we're just music and depth and food, everything. We're a full spectrum people just fighting for the same cause, but doing it differently. I am sporting my Palestinian Hustle t-shirt right now, which I love. Everyone can see. <laughs> I have them in many different colors. But Palestinian Hustle is much more than just a t-shirt it is a vision, it's a motto, it's it's a mission, it's activism, it's charity, it's like, it's so, so, so much more. And I would love for you, Sam, just to start talking about what is Palestinian Hustle, who are Palestinian hustlers, why this project, and what it is that you're doing with it. To be honest with you, it started out, I'm big on thank you cards. Like if I go to a restaurant and have a good experience, I want to send a handwritten thank you card. 
So we've we're pretty connected and rooted in our community here. Hey, I'm so, sorry, I have to stop you. You sent thank you yeah, cards bro. to restaurants. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pause you there too. Like that is nice, but but super family, not necessary. Family owned restaurants. Okay. Family owned restaurants that are in town that are like building, right? So yeah. I always want to like create. I imagine content. Burger King CEO. That's what <laughs> yeah, I imagine. imagine. And then, so listen, how many thank you cards has the Burger King CEO received? You send that thank you card, he'll remember you forever. But anyway, so like you always like want to thank people for their experiences. So I was like, I want to create a card, you know, appreciate what you do in the community, keep it up, Fady Brothers, right? And then I called my friend Marcus. We went to college here in Lakeland and we're going over this because he was designing it. He lives in Europe. And then I'm like, wait, man, I love your Instagram. I've always wanted to run a company with my daughter, you know, Palestinian, we're hustlers, Palestinian hustle. So then we just went back and forth on the card. And then one day he sent me the artwork that, you, that you're wearing. And I'm like, boom, company done. It's, it's done. So I, me and Bella had a little meeting. I just woke her up. I said, hey, we're starting this company. Boom, 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 boom. Are you ready for it? How old is Bella right she was at this asleep? point? She, she's like she was 11. Asleep. Bella <laughs> was, like, uh, she's four, she was, yeah, she was, go, she was 10, going to be 11. And, and you called like, her in for a meeting, a business meeting. <laughs> yeah, done. So anyway, so I got so excited. And then we went back and forth on the artwork. And it's like, so us growing up, when I, when I came to America, as a kid, all I knew about Palestine was like my culture, the foods, the get-togethers, grandmother wanting to marry your first cousin when you're six years old and it continues on for the rest of your life, right? It's like, yes. you know, like all of our little everything. And then when I moved to Palestine, I realized, wait, I love all of that, but there's more things happening here that I never experienced or really as a kid never was told about. I was always told about the beauty of our country, not what's happening. So then when I got there, I learned everything and I've been through a lot there. And when I moved town, I would say, oh, yeah, like, oh, where are you from, man? I'm from Jerusalem. Oh, I love, I love Israel, dude. Like, yeah. I'm like, no, man, I'm Palestinian. You know, like, like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Or, you know, you go to a business function, you know, and we're all wearing suits, hanging out. I'm like, oh, yeah, here's Sam or, you know, he's, he's from, he's from Israel. It's like, no, man, I'm from Palestine, dude. And. Like, oh, and people like look at me like, like I'm a charity case. And I was like, you know what? It's like, dude, I want Isabella when she goes to college or goes somewhere and she says she's Palestinian, that their people are going to be like, I love your culture. What is that dance move that you guys do with the feet? Or you, what's the knafa? You know, any restaurants? Let's go. I love your music. And I want them to see that side instead of the first responses, negative or political, or you kind of look at us like we're a charity case. So that's what I wanted for her because I wanted I wanted to shift that. With Palestine Hustle, I, I wanted people, when they see the logo or they see uh, Palestinian and they know the brand, that they think Spread Love Help Others Always Hustle, right? They just automatically think of those three things because naturally everything is political. So I was just trying to shift that. So my page initially wasn't political at all. And I got a lot of heat from it. I got mess. I used to get hate messages all the time. Are you Palestinian? You don't post about this and you don't post about that. And I'm like, dude, you know, I wish I would have used the term full spectrum before, but we're full spectrum, man. You fight it politically. I fight it with love. And then just recently I started just 
things that make me cry or hit me hard, I'll post, you know, when it comes to politics. But there's so many things. Like if I was full political, I would be posting every second of every day. So that's how it started. I just, I wanted to start a company to raise Isabella how to make money, you know, market herself, budget herself, negotiate. Like she used to go to meetings with the t-shirt companies and negotiate with me, learn about her culture, educate people on the things of our culture. And then I wanted to also teach her like in life, when you make money, you always have to remember to give back. I used to take her and her sister, take them to the women's shelter and Bella buy gifts to ladies, or we go buy pizzas and feed homeless people. It's very important that we teach our kids not to enjoy everything that they have. You know, like Bella, alhamdulillah, like if she wants something, if it makes sense, I can get it. I want it. I want this. I want that. Oh, she's in Jordans and Lulu Lemon. Can you imagine telling an Arab parent, you're like, hey, I want uh, Jordan. They're like, we were just there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Have you been to Petra? I was like, no, I want the Jordan 11s. You've been there 11 times? It's like, no, Baba, it's a sneaker. It's a sneaker. I want her to learn that we can enjoy life. We can do good things. But it's very important to give back. It's extremely important. And it's vital to give back. We have to give back. We can't just enjoy life without helping other people. It just doesn't make sense to me. And that's what I'm trying to teach her. Run a business and give back. And hopefully, as she progresses in life, and as she becomes the badass that I'm hoping she will be, that she will always have that in the back of her mind is giving back. And it's not just to Palestinians, but it's it's in our people in our community. Like I used to get a lot of messages. Well, why do you feed homeless children in the United States? And I'm like, well, I live here. I feel like we have to be involved and help the communities that we live in, as well as help Palestine every day. Yes, for sure. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that the messages that you speak about getting, because it really shows that we have a lot of work to do as a community to understand that everybody has a role. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a role. Like Palestinians on the ground have a role. Palestinians in exile have a role. And, and we are community members where we live. And so Yes, it's really important for Palestinians in exile to give back to homeland, 100%. But when you see a Palestinian in exile doing good work in their local community, that should be encouraged, not discouraged. Yeah. Because as you said, it's, it's about showing our values to our communities. It's about showing who we are at our core. And at our core, we're very hospitable, charitable people. I mean, when you go to Palestine, you don't even have to book a hotel because you'll probably get invited to like a lot of Palestinian families' homes that you don't even know. And then they'll force you to stay there. And then, you know, they won't let you leave. Like that's, that's a reality for, you know, it's been my experience and the experience of a lot of my friends, whether they're Palestinian or not. I'm really happy to hear you speaking out about that because we, unfortunately, some of us in the community don't understand this concept. And don't and can't fathom why on earth you would do, you know, charity and good work in your own local community. Honestly, my grandmother is one of those people. <laughs> she would say to me, oh, you're giving zakat. Why aren't you giving zakat here and not here? You know, I've heard this before. It, it's unfortunately a prevalent sort of way of thinking. I mean, you always have to be a member of your immediate community and the global community. You have to 
do your part and not everybody has to do everything right like yeah like you said your thing is not necessarily posting politics all the time and that is okay right you're some already working think, 24 hours a day like <laughs> right right something some people's thing is not going and showing up to a protest but you can donate to the bail fund we need everybody to fall in line in a way that they are productive but not like fight about where things are going because that's super unhelpful usually. Yeah, you have to. And, and then by connecting to your community, you're able to educate these people about Palestine tactfully and what's happening. Starbucks for me. I posted a video of Starbucks, but I got it so much heat saying I'm like pro-Israeli and I'm not Palestinian because I posted about drinking at Starbucks. But for me, when I was in California, and I used to work at Starbucks, and when I was homeless, they would allow me sometimes to sleep in the back, and they would allow me to take the pastries, because you would throw them at the end of the day, they would allow me to take it to feed myself. I just have like this thing with Starbucks, I'm like connected to it, just now as an adult, and Allah, God bless, now as an adult, <laughs> and a coffee snob, the coffee's not great, but I always go there to eat or I would go there to get a, a breakfast thing because it's to me, it's it's healing. It's they, they help me through a tough time. Right. So now what the video I posted, when you go to the local Starbucks, most of them are wearing the Palestinian hustle bracelet. I'm teaching them about Palestine. Like we went on your page. We fed this homeless guy the other day. You would have been so proud. It's like they may not know what the CEO's views are political views are right so we're like if we're going to ban all these companies it's great maybe not maybe not financially support them but we should go into these establishments get a cup of coffee and be like hey man do you know anything about palestine tackle them within their company and educate the people on the ground about what's happening in Palestine instead of ignoring the company in its entirety if i was a barista and somebody came in and was like you know about palestine i'd be like bro i get off in 10 minutes like come on <laughs> come on bro you know what i'm saying <laughs> but, I, I but also like that. just to be clear starbucks is not on the bds list because yeah, i was gonna say BDS, what is the connection between israel and starbucks? so there there was a lot of talk about how the ceos of starbucks or management uh, at starbucks held Zionist views, and at one point or another, they may or may not have been donating to the Israeli army. You can look up articles on this, and they came out with statements saying, we don't donate to the Israeli army. People still think, associate Starbucks with Israel. But when you go to the BDS website, you'll see that Starbucks is not on the list for boycott because BDS works because it relies on the strategy of targeted boycott. So certain specific companies are on that list and we are encouraged to boycott those specific companies because of the role that they play in maintaining the occupation. Starbucks is not on that list. So if you boycott Starbucks, you're basically not engaging in an effective boycott because nobody else is really, it, it's like well, random. Don't right? say that because that's not true. What I will say about Starbucks is no, but that's that the position of BDS. That's the position. Okay, of that's that's fine. That can be the position of BDS, but they are a racist company because they have kicked that might out be a numerous different story. black people from. They kicked out like a number of black people from their establishments, and then they had to do like a whole corporate retraining, basically, 
because they called yeah, the police. It went. It was like a viral video. So, you know, if you want to boycott Starbucks because they're racist, go ahead, do that. You know what I mean? It's not associated with BPS. Exactly. But definitely yeah. run up on a barista and be like, hey, what's up with Palestine? Yeah, dude, I have <laughs> my barista everywhere I go. Like, if, if you go in town, if you go downtown, most of the homeless people have my bracelet or a shirt on or know me as the pizza guy or whatever. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's actually really interesting because a part of Jewish tradition is taking care of the less fortunate, right? Part of the Torah tells us to engage in mutual aid, to provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. It's one of the reasons that I'm so active with organizations like Food Not Bombs. And, you know, when I was in Toronto, an organization called Building Roots, I was helping out at a community market up there. Oh, I love shouts that. Out to, shouts out to the person who runs it, Tuba. She's a Muslim. Both of our cultures and, and both of our traditions, helping others is like infused in who we are as, uh, as a human being. So it's very important. I love that. House and Hustle is not my full-time job. Yeah. So what's, what's your background? I think he's Palestinian. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's not, that I, doesn't pay the bills though, actually. No, no, you said, you said, what's his background? No, you're like his professional background. All right, I know. God. But it went, Michael. So I just took the first job. It was a consumer lending job. We were American General Finance. So I did like consumer lending to people who had like subprime credit. Oh, that's like the opposite Guts of what you're doing. Up. You were a subprime lender? That's 98% of the country, subprime, yeah. So, oh my God, the stories, dude. Because I used to, back then, I would do door-to-door collecting. Like, oh my God. Oh, that's like, dude, we should have like 10 segments on that. I have stories like crazy. I was just telling you. Hey, we're all ears. Go ahead, yeah. This is like insane. This is like the last thing I I would ever expect you to say. It was interesting because I didn't, Again, coming from Palestine, I didn't know much about what credit was. Everything there is basically cash, right? Cash, yeah. My, my mom and dad didn't instill that. Now, Bella, since she's been 10 years old, I've had her as an authorized user on all my credit cards. So when she's 18, she'll have an 800 credit score. So she's ready. to. So my parents never did that for me. So, and I didn't really know what credit was. Like, you know, like oh, really? Okay, yeah, yeah. Then I started this job when I was 23 and I'm looking at all these people. I'm like, Oh, his, his credit must be high. It's like a 486. You know, what is it out of? They're like, no dude, it's like 800 is the high 486 is bad, but we love it. Right. I helped a lot of people after being there for so long. My delinquency was the lowest in the country because I was able to establish these relationships with these people. I would go to their houses. I would come up with action plans and budgets with them. Even like a year ago, we were at two years ago, before COVID, we were at a first Friday. So our community downtown, all the businesses like at night, they shut down the streets. They have like bands and stuff like that. This, this guy and wife stopped me and they're like, that's the guy. That's the guy. He's like, we don't remember your name, but we remember you. You're the one who like helped us stay in our house. You guys were going to foreclose it, but you know, you helped us with the budget and we still have the house and our credit is good. So it's funny now, like even I haven't been there in 10 years, but people still see me and they remember that I was able to, even though I would get written up, right? By my boss saying, hey, we should have foreclosed on that. We should have put it in collections and sold it. But 
you know, I always tried to help people, but I, I learned. So I yeah, if you learn. if you help people in that job, you're fucking up your job, <laughs> dude. <laughs> right? Like, uh, exactly, because they just turn and burn, man. Like we're gonna charge thirty yeah. percent interest, and then we're gonna repo foreclose your house, make a profit on that, and do the same thing to someone else. They so are yeah. like capitalist vultures, basically circling around like a small unknowing target it's yeah it's it's it was bad but it taught me so much and it made me realize how blessed i am and it really taught me what i need to do for my daughter's future and teach her how to like pay your bills live within your means and your credit is very important and then after that, one of my best friend, he owned a motorcycle dealership, power sports dealership. And his mom and dad, um, his dad was flying a jet from New York to Florida and a panel came off the plane and they crashed and died. So the, I was going through a divorce at that time and his dad was the fast food king of America. I think at one point he owned like 300 restaurants or so. He's like, we need, we, you know, can you come to the dealership? We, we, you know. We need, we need somebody in the finance department here. I was going through a divorce. I didn't know anything about it, except that I used to do some of their financing. They would come to me, you know, I'd, I'd finance a bike or an ATV and I'd take a check to them. And I started in the power sports industry. And again, subprime, I saw that there was something that was missing. So we started a subprime finance company as part of the dealership. So we have our own like finance company. So like if people don't have the credit, we can help them. And I, I monitor that and collect that as well. But I don't do door to door anymore. I got chased by two men. I got chased by a chow. I got solicited to come in by a, a six foot lady with a muumu on. It's like, no, dude. Real uh, quick, what's a chow? Is it a chow? I don't know. No. What did you say? It's like I don't know what that is. Dog. What is a dog? Jamila. Oh, a dog. It's a type of dog. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had a guy I had a guy send his aggressive chow. Yeah. And you know that saying? It's like when all right, I'll tell you the story. I mean, like, you're going there, like you're just trying, trying to convince to sell them people. Subprime no, wait, but you were door-to-door collecting. Were you collecting. not? Collecting. Oh, yeah. I, I that's even worse, Michael. Yes, Double that's wide true. mobile home. And I didn't I see tried the to give chow. him the benefit. Like you are worse than the repo man. Like you are uh, like, this is like, but like, it's we so didn't know this about you. <laughs> how long did you last in this industry? Nine years. And then Nine I've years. been in okay. for 10. Tell us the story of how he, he sucked his dog on you. So it, it was a double wide mobile home. I knock on the door and I literally am seeing the guy watch TV, like through the window. Like I'm not, I'm like, dude, you're watching. I'm. I'm looking at you, sir. Like you know, let's let's talk about this. And I always had you know those those old school people probably still use them. But when you open up the letter, the big little dagger thing, you know, the little long metal letter openers. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to always have that in back of my book, my map book, because we didn't have GPSs back then, right? So I would have a map book wherever I went, and his information because I was always scared, and I didn't see the Chihuahua. Big dog, probably 110 pounds. No, Chihuahua is not a hundred pounds. Chihuahua, Chihuahua, Chihuahua. Sorry, Chihuahua. <laughs> I was like, bro, come it on. It was on a stump, just tied to a stump, not even a tree. And I oh, didn't. Oh, I it. thought you. I thought it only had like three legs. I got no. you. No. So 
after I kept on saying to the guy, the dog just went, and then I got jerked by the chain. And I'm like, oh my God, my heart started beating. I'm like, shit, forget this. So I started walking back. And from the corner of my eye, I saw the, the, the chain lift up and it ran to me. Then I ran for a second. I'm like, dude, there's no way. And I stood and I was shaking and it stopped and it kept on smelling, smelling me, smelling me, smelling me. Then it would walk away and then I would walk and then it would run towards me. So then there was like a fence here and the gate is there and then my car is there. So I'm like, okay, what am I going to do here? I'm just going to run. I'm going to hop the fence and then I'm going to run to my car. I do that. But when I hop the fence, the metal part of the fence, my dress shoe, what it got stuck in there. So I couldn't get my leg out. So I just jumped without my shoe. The shoe's probably still there. And I ran to my car. And as soon as I got to my car, the child literally ju like jumped on my window. Thank God I didn't lock my car. And uh, I was, it was, that was a freaky time. Dude, you were not getting paid wow. enough for that. No, man. He probably was, though. No, he 100% was not. To lose oh, his no. shoe fighting a rabid dog. Dude. Well, you don't no. know if the dog was rabid. We don't want to face any slander charges. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. It. You I, are I, full of stories. So I've been, in, I've been doing just power sports financing. So I'm a finance manager of a multi-line dealership. It's fun. When you say power yeah. sports, you mean like... Like jet skis? Like what do you, what is jet skis, motorcycles, sidewalks, ravs and like things like that. Yeah. Yeah. We do. We do all that. It's so it's, 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 it's a, it's a fun job. So tell me about your time in Palestine. You've lived there for a while. You kind of had an unorthodox um, like path because you came, you were in the U S and you went to Palestine and you came back to the U S. So. My dad's family was still living there. Baba, I think he still had the Jerusalem ID. Oh, okay. So That's why. We lived in New York. We went there when I was nine. So my brother was six. My brother, my dad just got fed up of the New York hustle. He didn't want to raise us there. Right. And I was, I was a troublemaker personally. Like, I'll be honest. Like I wasn't good in school. I was just bad with teachers. I was always getting in trouble right before we moved out. Fourth of July, I talked my friend into lighting a box of fireworks in the basement of his house. So, like, that's the kind of trouble I used to get in. So, the fire ambulance came, the police came. Bro, what is the statute of limitations on arson? Yeah, like, seriously, like, I was just like one of those kids who was like, um, you can't uh, take the roof off of that house. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, let me just try it. I'll just get, I managed to talk to everyone to help me do something, you know. and. I was a troublemaker. So my dad said, Khalas, I'm fed up. It's too laxed here. You're going to get in too much trouble. We're going to go back home and you're going to be a good kid. So we go back to Palestine. Definitely not a good kid. I was going to even got even worse. But when did they, you live there? Like what age were you? So 10 years old to 18. Best eight years of my entire life. Wow. It was it was full of all the emotions. I learned so much about my culture. I was telling Jamila the other day, it's sad because like when I was living there, I didn't as a kid, all I wanted to do was play basketball, party, just you know, drink, party, go have fun, do whatever. As long as I got good grades, my parents let me do anything and just just live life like a normal kid. But I didn't really appreciate 
what I was doing. Like I used to walk to the Damascus Gate, you know, go through the old city, go to the Freyr, play basketball, come back that way. Or we used to go, you know, to the Israeli side and party with our friends because it was Jerusalem. We were Jerusalem school, Anglican school, and the French school. So the French school and the Anglican school were like on the Israeli side of, of Jerusalem and then our school, but we would all meet there because, you know, at 11 years old, we can go to a pub and drink and have fun, right? But it's like, I never realized where I was. As an adult, when I go back, I feel like I'm a tourist, even though I lived there because I didn't appreciate these things. I didn't realize what I was doing, where I was walking and what I was eating, you know? And so I told her, I was like, when we, when we go back next summer, I'm going to be like a tourist. It's like, I don't want to see anyone. I just want to, like, I, I literally want to hire a tour guide in my own country and like, dude, take me around, teach me what I don't know. It's amazing when you're living there, you just, you don't appreciate the history and you don't appreciate what you're doing. It's just kind of crazy when you're living in it. We went to a school called Jerusalem School. It was founded by us, who's a great friend of ours. He actually, so funny in my town, the founder of Jerusalem School, all his kids were born in Palestine. He lives right, he moved here, him and his family. And then his son, who was running the show in Jerusalem, just moved back here too. They're American, but they lived in Palestine their whole life. Assembly of God guy, you know, Jerusalem school, it's all these missionaries that come there. It's like, they have this like notion that they're going to the Holy Land and they're, they just think they're, they're pro-Israeli when they go, right? It's about God and Jesus and Israel. But after they leave, they have a totally different mindset of what they're instilled in their churches here. They go there being pro-Israel, the spirit of Palestinians, and they leave hating Israel and being so pro-Palestinian. It's like, it's so phenomenal. Like what the school's intention was, it, the opposite happened, right? Because you go on these mission trips to teach at a school in Jerusalem, and you think you're going to the Holy Land and Israel this and Israel that and Israel that. And then when you go, you're treated like shit by the Israelis. And the Palestinians are feeding you every day, welcoming you. Like every, my mom would invite the teachers over to the house every Thursday, dinner, boom, dinner, boom. They knew my mom, Miss Norma, Miss Norma, can I, you make that new bit? Can you make this? Can you make that? And like, like we still communicate with these people after 20, 30 years. Can you believe the Israelis were rude to people? Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> right? Seriously, man. I was just in my car today. I, don't, I, I had Lebanon. And I just had a little Arabic breakfast. And then uh, I'm just, again, like my mind's always thinking weird things. So in my car, I was pronouncing hummus, uh, falafel. Um, what else did they take? What, what else did they claim? Mensef. And Recently, like, Mensef. Then, yeah, so you, know. like, you don't go into the local supermarket and say to an associate, do you sell hummus? Thank you, you for saying hummus. that. You know? Kind of fresh for us, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying these things in my mind. Yeah, uh, for anyway, sure. Off topic, but. No, no, it's, it's not off topic. I think I have this thought all the time, Samit. I'm like, how can you say it's yours when you can't even pronounce the word? Like the Men's word stuff. is not your word. It's an Arabic word and you're pronouncing it wrong. Say Mensef with an Israeli accent. I don't you even can't. know. You can't. Simple. Say it. I don't know their accents that well. You know what I mean? Like, I, I try not to talk to them, honestly. <laughs> anyway, but Jerusalem School, uh, it was cool because it's like, it was a school where a lot, like in my class, it'd be a kid from, we grew up with Charles, who's from Kenya, and then a, a, a girl from Guatemala. Then 
a, a kid from Japan. And it was like all the, like the, a lot of the United Nation children yeah. there were in the school and built such a close community there. It, it was awesome. Like lifelong friends. We all love Palestine. And we did you have any, did you have any encounters with the arm, with the occupation army while you were there? I'm sure you did. Yeah, a lot. You were at the ripe age where they go, like, that's the age where they kidnap you from your house. Well, so for for us in Jerusalem, it wasn't being kidnapped. It was the harassment, right? The constant fear, like, if we're going to school, the Jeep would pass, but then reverse. They put the gun out the window and back in. So our hearts were always, you know. Fight or flight. Um, yeah, it's fire flight. Like we would just, my brother and I, we would, we would walk just home from school because we walked everywhere and they just shoot like the gas bombs on us and we would go home and tap them. My mom would put milk all over us and stuff like that. It's just uncalled bullshit. You know, like I used to have to carry, you know, it's annoying as a, as a kid back home because male or female, when you're at a certain age, you have to have an ID. So you always have to carry a fucking ID everywhere you go. I used to even go into basketball practice. You go, you know, play basketball. Where? That I sat. Why? Because I love playing basketball and I have practice. And now I'm late because of you, you motherfucker. And I'm going to have to run around the basketball court 20 times because you're asking me the same question over and over again. And then I'll pull my passport out. I'm like, I'm American. I'm just going to keep walking. And they're like, and then you know it's just the constant abuse because they could do it right mm. it's just they're allowed even to americans like uh, at the end of the day i'm Palestinian, but i'm an american i have an american passport but despite being an american whether you're Palestinian or not even these teachers they used to get harassed all the time because they're coming out of palestine east jerusalem right and a lot of encounters that happened to friends of mine like one of my best friends just got out of jail. I won't say his name, obviously. After 25 years for just saying that he was bringing in people from Ramallah to Jerusalem. But 25 years, he was in jail my age. And he just got out. And it's just like, and this kid, we grew up together, right? So if I was back home, I probably would have been in that car. But we used to just fuck around, man. We used to just like to ride in the mountains and just do what kids do. It's, it's not a uh, crime to move in your land. Only no, it, the apartheid state thinks that it is. It's just sad. Just I just think about him. I used to think about him a lot because it's like when I think about just when I think about him, his brother always there. And I can't say names, please, but I just, you know, don't take of course. To that. It's just a very sensitive topic, especially they're probably monitoring everything that he does. But despite all the bullshit, it's still a beautiful place to live. So you have these encounters, these tedious encounters living there truly changed my life it, it 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 molded me to be who i am today so with the struggles without the struggles it it made me sander right it's like like that's who i am i always i always was very political but that didn't it didn't do anything for me personally right it may do stuff for other people but when I was political, all that 
I saw was people's faces thinking that I'm just an angry young Palestinian kid. So I was always like in the newspapers, I was like battling this pastor on like Palestine and Islam because he thought he knew everything. And then I was like, shit's not doing anything, right? So then I promised myself I wouldn't be political. I'd always post stuff on Facebook. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd post. And it's like, it didn't do anything, right? It's like, damn, man, you're really angry. Like, bro, it's not even 8 a.m. in the morning. Like, why are you so negative? And I'm like, people are not understanding what I'm saying. Even nowadays, I'll do the same thing just to release, right? Like my th therapist says, you have to just release. So I'll just delete. I'm like, all right, I wrote it. It's out there, whatever. No one saw it, but I'm good now, you know? So it's like, I was always political. And if I go political now, I'm, I, I would go like apeshit like crazy like i there's so many things i want to talk about politically but it will consume me and it will do more damage for my life and my family's life and i want to go to my country so i want to visit so there's kind of like it's sad that they just fucking control us that way but they do so i'm tackling it differently than you guys are tackling it different than knafa queens is tackling it different than Judy with Palestine on a plate. I love her. She's a great friend of mine. Your friend too. Uh -huh. So we're all tackling it from just different, just different levels, different ways, different tactics. Then the Al Quds Brigade is tackling it from a different angle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and that's what I love about Palestinians is like each one of us has our unique and special way of teaching someone about Palestine. Like if we, you had 20 Palestinians lined up, you'd have the same overall loving experience, but in a different way, right? Yeah. It, it's just phenomenal. Like there's no, like I wouldn't want to be born into any other culture. Like it's it. Like my heart is a shape of Palestine, yeah. right? With no Israel, <laughs> Palestine. It's Palestine. It's, it's it. It's, it's who we are. And I just love our culture. I love our people this last year like even i'm just looking at tatris the whole house is tatris because jamila does tatris yeah and i'm hearing all about the side of the culture coming to tatris i mean you talk about educating people or being political through tatris the colors have the symbols the mm -hmm. the it's just most beautiful culture on earth uh, you said if you line up 20 Palestinians, you have like 20 different ways of educating people, basically. If you have like three Jews in a room, you'd have like 16 opinions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's exactly right. Uh, but yeah. if you do that, you would have your uh, books and your taxes set up straight, though. My boy. Like about this notion of feeling like you're not solving anything and you're not doing anything when you're being political. And how you ended up finding your way, which was to, to talk about Palestine and to show the world what it means to be Palestinian, obviously through Palestinian hustle. I struggle with that as well, because like going the political route and, and making this, you know, your focus, it is so, so, so draining. And it's hard to count the successes, you know, because people have been talking about Palestine ever since colonialism was a thing in Palestine. We've been resisting it since the beginning and it just seems to have gotten worse and worse and worse. So where has all of this talking, you know, gotten us? I measure success in this field by the number of people who message me and say, you changed my mind. 
So to me, that matters because I know that there are people out there that didn't know about Palestine that listen to the podcast or follow me on social media and have sent me messages saying, you've actually changed my opinion. And that, that to me matters because at some point, part of the solution is going to require mobilizing the consciousness of millions of people who didn't previously know what was going on. And especially in the U.S. because we're responsible for it. We pay for it. To me, that's like the one thing that I try to focus on when I feel like it's futile. I'm like, why am I just talking about the same shit that everybody else is talking about and it doesn't even matter? I can tell I'm making a difference because of the resistance that I face, you know? And like the level of the people coming at me, right? When I first started talking about Palestine, it was like faceless bots with no like content, you know what I mean? Just like brand, random trolls. But now it's like I've got verified like Israeli influencers that are on my nuts, like trying to like monitor every video and like counteract the points that I'm making. And I'm like, oh, you all are worried about little old me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really it's <laughs> empowering. It's empowering. I came out the mud. I like a couple of years ago, basically just started dragging Zionists online. Cause I was like, y'all are stupid. Y'all are abusing human rights. Like shit is getting egregious, you know, like it has been egregious, but I finally found the courage to talk about it. And they, they initially tried to stamp me out. You know what I mean? Be like, he's not Jewish. Like la la la. Like, you know, they, they came at me from all their angles, but I just kept pushing and started elevating through. And now it's like, I'm talking to their verifieds, you know? I only talk to their verifies now. I don't even <laughs> yeah. fuck with the trolls anymore. That's pretty cool. You're like, send your verified after me, please. If you, if you no, it's order. legit. It's people who are like, I work in unit 8200. You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking to the people. I'm talking to the <laughs> ones who are on the machine. That's so cool. And I'm sure you talk to them all the time. Uh, as little path. as I can. I try not to. They're very They probably got like a honestly. consistent like team on you at all times oh can you imagine their like team meetings so. they're like okay today what are we doing with mike Intifada? yeah um, it comes in waves too yeah right like they're they're like new generations of them that find out about me that's so funny man it's so yeah. pathetic and then you know about the logo right the artwork of this yeah you know what the gold symbol is there no i don't actually you never told me yeah. that this little no, guy I'm here not, i'm not political so, but in my design, there's like little secret messages. That symbols from the bottom of the kofiyeh. So the bottom of the kofiyeh, we took that, we put that there. That's interesting. Beautiful. In American, like U.S. colonial history, the first like colonial U.S. government was obviously led by George Washington, but people don't know that he was the head of an intelligence organization called the Culper Spy Ring. And the Culper Spy Ring is known for employing like various spies throughout the colonies to let people know like when the British were coming just to pass information, stuff like that. And one of the things they did was they wrote letters in invisible ink right so they would write letters that had large spaces in between them and then in invisible ink they would write the real message that they were trying to pass and they had to know that you needed to burn underneath the letter in order to activate the ink and so the phrase read between the lines actually comes from that 
practice. Also, shout out to my girlfriend who played Agent 355 on Why the Last Man. She was a member of the Culper Spy Ring in that show. Well, Samad, we have certainly felt the love from you and Palestinian Hustle and certainly been helped by you. We are announcing a limited t-shirt drop that we will be promoting very soon. Palestinian Hustle and the Palestine Pod are going to be selling these t-shirts with the Palestine Pod logo. And Samad and his team at Palestinian Hustle have been instrumental in getting us these t-shirts and we worked really hard to source them ethically make sure that the people who are making them are getting fair wages work with local companies and uh, use all of samar's context so samar thank you so much for that we are so excited for this t-shirt drop and hopefully we sell out so we can put in another order more designs maybe some onesies who knows we will it's just the beginning too that's the most beautiful thing about yes the Palestine pod has merch, y'all. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Boom! Tama, thank you so Not much for your good. time. You're amazing. I love your stories and your enthusiasm. And honestly, like you gave me, like I was feeling like low energy this week a little bit. And this this interview just kind of, you know, yeah. brought me back up. Feels great. So yeah, it's really good to spend some time talking to you. And I hope that one day we'll meet in real life. Um, not just not just on a screen. You will, yeah. for sure. Inshallah. No, inshallah. Thank you so much for your time, Samer. We appreciate you. Appreciate your stories, all your perspective. And thank you so much to our listeners for listening to another episode of the Palestine Pod. You can check out our sources at www.palestinepod.com. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at the Palestine Pod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. And Check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank y'all so much for listening. Have a great day. Peace. For sure. I mean, I think. Oh, you muted yourself, Laura. Yes, for sure. And I think it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. (laughs)